You know, we live in a world that values how things look on the outside. So the package is, is always important. I mean, I, I find it interesting, though, sometimes that is deceptive. So if you ever buy a bag of potato chips, I don't know if you've had this experience, but the package looks great on the outside, colorful, can't wait to dive into it, and you open it up, and it's like half empty already, you know? I mean, does anybody else have that experience? I'm like, and it's not even crushed. I mean, they're whole, whatever, and it's like they just make the package look really big. It would take a lot less room on the shelf if they would just make the package actually the size that the chips are. Um, people, this, this happens as well, like in homes. I had the experience a, a number of years ago. We were living in a different neighborhood, and uh, I needed to go talk to a guy that I, I haven't spent much time with, but I needed to talk with him about something that had happened between our kids and their house was one of the biggest ones in the neighborhood. It was like beautiful on the outside. And so I go up and I, I knock on the door and he lets me in and I just step inside and we have our conversation. And I notice there's, there's this room, this study room off to, to my left and it's just, it's empty. Like there's no furniture in it. And I'm thinking, maybe they're moving? I, I don't think so. And they weren't. I mean, it, it turned out. And so I don't know what the story was on that particular situation. But I, I do know that there are situations where people get so overextended on the house that they buy, because they want it to look great from the outside, that they don't even have, you know, the money, whatever, to, to like furnish it on the inside. So just, here's a little tip. This isn't what the message is about this morning. But just like, buy yourself a house that leaves you enough money so you can buy chairs to sit on. You know, it's, it's kind of, you know, a little tip. Um, sometimes the package can look great on the outside, and it's actually dangerous. Uh, there's this whole Tide Pod challenge thing going on, and I'm not even talking about, really, the, the thing that's going on with the teens, okay? That, that's a whole other ball of wax, like why people would want to and choose to engage in this. I'm talking about, like, little kids. I mean, they're you know, Congress, whoever, is asking, like, the companies to change the way these things look because little kids, toddlers, who don't know any better, okay, the teens should know better who are doing the challenge, but there are little toddlers who find these laundry pods, you know, mom and dad look away for a minute, and they find these little things, and they're, they're really pretty, they're squishy, and so they end up, like, thinking, oh, food, you candy, right? And so they're eating them and getting sick, and in some cases worse. Some, some kids have died from this. So the, the package on the outside looks good, but it, it can be uh, deceptive. The adult version of the laundry pods is, is dating. You know, when somebody looks good, the package looks good on the outside. And then, you know, you, you hopefully get to know them better before you, like, make some kind of lifelong commitment and find out that maybe what's on the inside doesn't match up with how great the, the outside looks. Because cause for you and I, when we don't look past the package, when we don't get beyond the exterior, sometimes we can make decisions that really lead to a lot of regret. As it turns out, God is very different from us. This is often the case. God is different from us in this whole area of appearances. And so if you're here this morning and you're new to faith or you're just checking out this whole thing about Jesus and you're not really sure what to make of all of it, I just want to give you a, a heads up, a spoiler alert, that if you decide to follow Jesus, like m most of our life is figuring out how to bring our value system in line with God's value system, because they're usually like way out of line. 
God's value system is way up here, and we are just doing something really different. And so our, our challenge, our journey, is to really bring the way we think and the things we value in line with God. So God really thinks very differently. God is not impressed with the package. And God is oftentimes choosing people for his purposes who are people that you and I would look past if we were trying to pick for that purpose. So we've looked at a couple of those examples the last few weeks, if you've been here. Two weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we looked at Moses. And so Moses is a person who, by his own description, was not a good speaker. And yet God is calling him to lead like over a million people out of slavery And so you would think if you're going to be a leader and you have to communicate with all of these people and you don't have all of the media that we have now, mass, you know, media, social media, all that kind of stuff. You don't even have microphones. I mean, you would think you need to be able to at least project and speak. And and apparently Moses was not good at that. Not only that, but God called Moses when he was 80 years old. And so you're thinking, I mean, most of us would think when somebody reaches 80, we think we want to celebrate the life you've, you've done a lot. And now we want to kind of help you slow things down a little bit. We just want to help you, you know, enjoy the rest of your life. But we're not going to give you like a major, major assignment. That's maybe the way we think. But God looks past that package and he chooses Moses because he says, you're the right man for, for this job. Last week, we looked at a man named Joshua. And apparently Joshua was pretty timid, pretty frightened, because God is telling him, we looked at Joshua chapter 1 last week, and God is telling him repeatedly, be strong and be courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be afraid. God tells him that. Moses told him that before he passed away. The people he's leading tell him that. Please be strong and courageous. Apparently he was not a super confident Strong kind of guy, and yet God chooses him because he looks past that package. And so this morning, we're, we're going to look at a scene for yet another person that God chooses in spite of his package, and we're going to see what, what is it that God is looking for exactly. And this is really important for, for you and me for, for two reasons. One is to help us know what to really look for in others. How, if we're going to look past the package, what is it that we're looking for in others when we're making decisions of life? But also for ourselves. I mean, what is it? How do we get past our own package and what do we cultivate? We're going to see that this morning. If you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one close to you there on a seat, and it's on page 261. If you're new to to Grace Point, we are in the middle of a series called God's Grand Story. And we are looking at key people and events from what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, everything leading up to Jesus. We're looking at key people and events and how God dealt with them, because the way God dealt with people in the past gives us a lot of insight into how he wants to deal with us in the present. So we're looking at these key people and events as memorials. That's why we have these stones up here as memorial stones, a cairn, so that we don't lose sight of our past, so that we can relate to God well in in our present. One of the things that I love about this series that we're doing, this God's Grand Story, is how we're getting to do so much of this together. And so the devotionals, 
Um, I love that Daryl quoted from, you know, one of the devotionals from, from this week. Our groups, I love that we're kind of all on the same page with that. And our, our group met uh, last Sunday night, and I see some of you uh, sitting around here. And I, I, I love our group, um, mostly because I'm not leading it, but, but besides that, um, I just, I love the people in our group. And I love, like last week, we were talking about wandering in the wilderness. And what were some of the wilderness moments in each of our own lives. It was so insightful to hear from people about some of the significant moments in their life. We just got to know each other. We went kind of to a a deeper level last week. It was really cool. So I hope you're having great experiences uh, in your groups as well as they're going through. So this morning, we're going to look at a young man named David. And I personally, I kind of like the fact of, of being named after one of the great Bible heroes you know, every now and then, somebody will name their child after a Bible person, and I'll be like, do, do you know what that person did in the Bible? Why did you name it? But it's, it's cool to be named after one of the heroes, but he wasn't always that way, and we're going to see kind of how he started out here this morning. We are 300, to give you some context, we're 350 years past what happened last week with Joshua. So it's been 350 years. We're now at about the year 1000 B.C., And so the people of Israel have asked God for a king. And God gave them a king. He gave them their first king named Saul. Saul looked like a king. He was was the package. He was, uh, Scripture tells us, taller than just about everybody else. He's strong. He's a warrior. I mean, he just looks like a king. Everybody's just in awe of him. They're like, man, we want him to be our king because he's He's impressive. And so he looks great on the outside, the, the package is all there, but it turns out over time that he doesn't have what it takes on the inside. We find out that Saul is a very fearful person. He becomes jealous. He becomes fearful that he's going to lose his throne, and so anybody who threatens him, he, he's trying to get rid of, of them. He is, at, at the core, he's just disobedient. God asks him to do a number of very specific things, and he just can't seem to obey even the, the simplest of commands. And so where we're going to pick this up this morning, the, the scene is that the nation of Israel has been threatened by their arch enemies, the Philistines. So the Philistines, it, it says, are coming at them with 30,000 chariots and 6,000 other soldiers. And so they're all, they're pretty scared. The people of Israel are pretty scared. Saul is in charge of them, and they're all, they're shaken in their boots. I mean, that's a pretty intimidating army. And so Samuel, who is the prophet of God, who speaks for God, who is, is giving Saul direction, uh, Samuel says to Saul, I want you to, to go to this certain spot, and I want you to wait for seven days, and I will come at the end of that seven days, and then we're going to make a sacrifice, and then I'll let you know what to do and how we're going to confront this army. So seven days come and go, the, the, the army of Israel is facing this Philistine army, and nothing is happening, and Samuel is not showing up, and so people are starting to scatter. People are, are, are afraid. And so Saul, in a panic, he says, I, I can't wait anymore, I've waited the seven days, I'm going to go ahead and offer this sacrifice myself. And so of course, at that point, Samuel shows up. And so that's where we pick it up in 1 Samuel 13, verse 11. Samuel said to Saul, what have you done? 
And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you've done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God. Notice how many times he mentions command. You've not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be a prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Little side note again. I mean, just God takes it very seriously that we be obedient. God, it it actually says later here, God uh, loves our obedience more than our sacrifice. So when God asks us to do something, he, he expects obedience. And so because of Saul's disobedience, he rejects him as king, and he says, I'm going to look for a man after my own heart. God says basically to the people of Israel, we've done it your way. We found someone who looked good on the outside, who had the package. Now we're going to do it my way. Now we're going to look for someone who has a right heart. So God sends Samuel now to choose a new king. So if you'll flip to 1 Samuel uh, 16, that's where we see God's choice of a new king. 1 Samuel 16, uh, starting in verse 1, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded, see Samuel's obedient, and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. See, Samuel is taken in by the package. So he sees Eliab. Eliab is the oldest son of Jesse, and apparently he's pretty tall. We find out later on, he, I mean, God says, well, he said that. Don't, don't look at his outward appearance. He says, don't look at his height. Um, I'm not impressed with all of that. I'm looking for the heart. I mean, Samuel's taken in by the package, which is pretty typical for, for us still today. There's, I read about a study this week that was done at UC Berkeley, and they interviewed all of these people. They, they put pictures in front of them of just a variety of men and women, just pictures. And they said, who do you think has the, the who do you consider has the highest status and the greatest leadership potential? of all of these people. And overwhelmingly, the, the choice was 
that the highest status and the greatest leadership potential were the strongest, tallest men. So sorry, ladies, it didn't apply to, to ladies either. But if they had no other information about these people. And, and so they could be you know, the worst character, they could be the worst people, people, it, it doesn't matter. But just by looking at the picture, if they look tall and strong, then I bet they're, they're going to make a great leader. See, even Samuel thought that thousands of years ago. And so he was taken in by the package, and God said, I, I know Eliab looks impressive, but see, God looks past the package. God is looking for something deeper. See, God values the heart more than the height, if you're a guy. Maybe for ladies, maybe we could substitute your hair. God values your heart more than your hair, more than your clothes, more than your face, your complexion, more than your car, more than your house, more than all of these externals. God looks past all of that package because he's interested in what's going on on the inside. Okay, convicting question. Don't say anything out loud for this. This is just for you in your own heart. How much time do you spend on your externals versus how much time you spend on your internal? Okay, don't answer out loud. Okay, just think about your daily routine. How much time do you spend getting ready on the outside so that your package looks good compared to how much time are you cultivating what's going on in, in your heart. If you're spending more time on the external package, then your, your package may look pretty good. Your, your packages all look pretty, really pretty good here this morning. Your heart is very likely a mess if you're not spending at least as much time getting ready what's going on on, on the inside because God looks at the heart. God values the heart. Verse 7 Don't look on his appearance or on his height because I've rejected him. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so God and Samuel now are going to reject package after package. Verse 8, then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. There remains yet the youngest. Some of your Bibles have a footnote there, and if you can read that tiny little print, it says, it, another way to translate that word is smallest. It's the idea, youngest, smallest, insignificant. It was a word that they used in, in the Hebrew to talk about a child. And they did not value children in that day. They, they didn't value people until they grew up old enough to be able to, to work. And so David's own father is saying, yeah, yeah, there's one more son, but we left him out in the field because he's, he's not even of enough significance and worth to, to bring him in. This is, this is really interesting because this was a major event for Jesse's family. 
that the prophet of God, who was so revered, I mean, we caught a glimpse of that here as he comes to this town of Bethlehem, and all the elders are trembling, like, what have you come for? I mean, everybody holds Samuel in such high regard. And so Samuel calls this one family, says, I want you to be here for the offering of the sacrifice because there's something special we need to do today. And David is just left out in the field because his own dad thinks that he's insignificant. We're, we're going to find out as David's story plays out. David just did not appear to be king material. And later on when he faces the giant Goliath, Saul is going to offer him his armor he can't wear his armor because it's too big. I mean, Goliath is going to taunt him and say, who's this little rat that you're sending after me? Who's this little puppy dog that you're sending after me? I mean, and, and David's own brothers reject him. I mean, David doesn't look from the outside like king material, but God looks past the package. This is really good news for most of us here this morning. Because most of us, wish that our package was different in some way, shape, or form. Some of us wish that our package was taller, slimmer, different complexion, even smarter, richer, whatever. I mean, we, we wish our package was different. And we think, because we look at somebody else's package that looks better than ours, we think, well, if I had that package, I could do so much more. I could do so much more for God if I had a different package. God doesn't care about that. He looks past the package, and he wants to know, how's your heart? Because that's what he really wants to use. There's hope for us in this. It reminds me of something that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, uh, consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But uh, you can go on to the next slide. Next slide. Um, but God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. See, God chooses those that humans may look past because God looks past the package and he's looking for our heart. And, and again, this is hopeful for us this morning because there's, there's only so much you and I can do about our package. There's more that we can do to cultivate a right heart before God. So in the next couple of minutes that we have left, I want to talk to you about three characteristics of the heart God chooses as we look at David's life play out. And each one of these things could be a whole message. So I'm, I'm really zapping through this, I, I realize but as you listen to these characteristics of the heart, just, just ask yourself and even kind of self-evaluate, how am I doing in these areas? Because these are areas that we can cultivate, and these are the things that matter to God. The first characteristic is a courageous heart, that we would fight for God when others won't. So many of you are familiar with the, the, the scene of, of David and Goliath. Okay, we hear that term. Goliath a Philistine, again, the, the army of Israel facing their arch enemies, the Philistines. And this time, they, they send out a champion. They send out Goliath, who is a, a giant. He's taller, he's bigger, he's stronger than, than anybody else. And he comes out and he taunts the army of Israel. And he says, you send me your best guy, and we'll fight, 
and then whoever loses, that country will become slaves to the other country. So this standoff goes on for, for 40 days, and no one, I mean, you have, you have this whole army out there uh, with Saul at the head of it, and they're all trained, they're all the, the warriors, and this is going on and on and on. Every day, Goliath comes out with his taunt. Until finally, one day, David is sent, he, David's not there with the army, he's out again, he's taking care of the sheep, but dad sends him and says, hey, take some, take some food, take something for your brothers and check on them, see how they're doing. So David shows up and he, just, he finds out what's going on, that there's this huge standoff, and he's like, what? What is happening here, and, and why is this happening? So if you, if you go over to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 41, um, the, the Goliath comes again for his daily taunt, and David happens to be there, and David says, I will go. I'll go against this giant. Now keep in mind, I mean, he's just really just a kid. And he's a pretty small kid at, at that. But he says, I'll go. And so in verse 41, the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. Incidentally, so I, I didn't say this earlier when we were reading uh, that, that David was... Uh, he, he was handsome and, and ruddy and had beautiful eyes and stuff. So apparently he had something going on in the package department, but it wasn't the package that they were looking for. It wasn't the king package. We're not looking for a pretty boy. We're looking for a strong, mighty guy. And so Goliath sees this as, as well. The Philistine looked. He disdained him. He was just a kid, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And then verse 43, the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Then the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. So what David is most concerned about in this scene is that God's name is being drugged through the mud. That God is, is the one who is losing his fame and his glory because no one will stand up and believe that God is going to deliver them from this threat. And so David finally stands up and risks his, his own life and God delivers him. And it reminds me of a story that a friend told me a number of years ago who was in a, a situation at their workplace where they were being asked to do something unethical. They were being asked to lie on, on these reports. And it was a whole department that was being asked to do this. And so this person came under this conviction of saying, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do that. I mean, God has asked me to be honest. And so they, they went to their supervisor and they said, I, I can't participate in this. And so they were willing to fight for the right thing, for what God would have him do. And they ended up losing their, their position. But they really ended up 
winning because they were saying, I'm willing to stand up. When all the people around you, and you're, you're, you and I will have those situations in life where everybody around you may, may not be willing to speak up for, for God and, and maybe allowing God's name to be drugged through the mud, and you and I may need to stand up and have that courageous. God's looking for a courageous heart. He's also looking for a trusting heart to let God promote you. See, the, the scene that we saw this morning where David was anointed as king, 15 years are going to pass before David actually gets to be the king. And Saul, during that time, after David defeats Goliath, David's fame increases, and people start flocking to him and following him, and Saul does not like that. Saul feels threatened, and so Saul begins to actually chase David. I mean, they've, they've got this whole nation, and they've got these other people out there. He forgets about the threats on the outside, and he starts like fighting for his own position. So he's chasing David down, and on, on a few occasions, on more than one occasion, David has the opportunity to kill Saul. And his guys are telling him, this is your chance. This, and, and, and there's a particular situation, and, and we'll read about this in 1 Samuel 24, if you, if you turn over to that. There's a particular situation where David and his men are in a cave, and Saul comes into that cave to relieve himself, and, his, and David's guys say, this is your chance. This, this, this guy is cray-cray. Okay, you need, we would all be better off if you, would, if you would get rid of him and step into the kingship. This is your destiny. And so David refuses to do that. And, and if we start in verse 10, David refuses to, to kill Saul. And Saul finishes and goes out of the cave. And David follows him out of the cave. And in verse 10, he says, Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. David cut that corner of, of his robe. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. See, David said, I'm going to trust in God's timing. See, sometimes God's timing in our life, and especially, you know, you, you may work for someone or have someone in your family or something, and they're just a little bit, uh, they're just, you know, a couple fries short of a Happy Meal, and it's just like, they're, they're, it just is, doesn't seem right that they should be in that position. And you may have the opportunity to move into that position, but God says, wait for me. Instead of trying to promote yourself, God says, wait for my timing. Even when the timing doesn't seem to make any sense, it was 15 years before David got to be king, but he had a trusting heart, and you and I need to wait for God's timing as well. The third characteristic of a heart God chooses is a repentant heart. When we've blown it, we need to own it and ask for God's forgiveness. The low point uh, for David came at his high point as a king. I mean, years into his reign, the, the kingdom is united under him. His men are loyal to him. Everything is going great. And so one spring, it's time for, for kings to go out, for armies to go out and defend their, 
their uh, land, and David stays behind. Things are going so well, David says, the army can go on your own. I'm going to stay back. And during that time, he sees a, a beautiful woman who happens to be the wife of someone else, one of his main soldiers, in fact. And he calls her to himself, commits adultery. She becomes pregnant, and he tries to cover it up by calling her husband back. Doesn't, doesn't work, and so he ends up murdering her husband. I mean, he's committed adultery and murder. That doesn't sound like a man after God's heart to me. But when he's confronted with his sin, he has a repentant heart. This is significant, and we see this. Uh, I'll read this to you from, first, uh, from 2 Samuel uh, 24. No, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 12. God sends a prophet, Nathan, to go confront David after his sin. And this is a really significant scene because um, in that time, if the king didn't like you, I mean, it's off with your head. So for someone to come and confront the king with something that he didn't like to hear, that, that could have happened. David could have said, I, I don't want to hear about this. Get, get out of here. But instead, his response is, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Because you have a repentant heart. Because he's not too proud to recognize his need for forgiveness. David wrote a whole song about this. Psalm chapter 51. Just share a couple of verses of that just to show his repentant heart. When he realized the depth of his sin, how he responded. Have mercy on me, O God according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. Remember from the beginning, God said, I'm picking a man after my own heart. (laughs) Sometimes our hearts deceive us, drag us away into darkness and need to be refreshed. And God, uh, David brought his heart and said, God, I need you to create in me now a, a new heart, a clean heart. I'm so grateful that we have a God who's able to do that, who's able to give us a, a new heart. So God chooses us not based on our package, but based on our heart, a courageous heart, a trusting heart, a repentant heart. God, God doesn't choose us based on our package, just like he didn't choose Jesus based on his package. We read in, in the prophecy of, of Isaiah 53 that, that this Messiah who was to come had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and he was rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. And yet God called him to the ultimate purpose of our rescue, to be our rescuer. See, God looks past the package, and you and I do well to follow his example. So, so this week, as you are walking through your, the decisions that you make, You may have a decision that has to do with another person. You may have to decide how you're going to approach another person. And you may, like like all of us, get get taken in by the package. So 
This week, maybe look past that package in the other person. And, and even more importantly, look, let's look past our own package. Let's get beyond just the time that we spend trying to look good on the outside and present some kind of a picture to somebody else and get to, to our heart and cultivate, spend time with God, cultivating your heart, um, cultivating a courageous heart, cultivating a trusting heart because you know God better, cultivating a repentant heart, recognizing, because we all blow it, we all fall short, and coming to God with that heart and saying, God, I, I need your forgiveness. Create in me now a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for making it possible for our hearts to be cleansed. I thank you for sending Jesus that, that even though he was rejected because on the outside he didn't look like God and he didn't look perfect like people might have expected him to look and yet he gave his life as a perfect sinless sacrifice so that our sins could be washed away as white as snow. Lord, help us to look past the package in others so that we can avoid regret in life by making foolish mistakes and being taken in by something that looks one way on the outside, but it's really deceptive. And Lord, help us even more to look past our own package. Help us to spend more time cultivating our hearts. Teach us how to do that. And Lord, thank you for being willing to give us a new, clean heart. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.